Welcome to Export Audio, episode 138. I'm Nora. I'm joined by Crystal. Hey, it's me, Crystal. It's Crystal this time. This time I'm on the podcast. Why are you on the podcast? What are you here to talk about? Oh, I'm here to talk about one of the five canonical Nora films, uh, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. Hmm. What are, what are the five canonical Nora films? Uh, well, in chronological order, there's Titan AE, uh, mm-hmm. The Road to El Dorado, mm-hmm. Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Classic, uh, Treasure Planet, <clears throat> Love it. and Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. Pristine. Uh, the only thing missing is a Star Wars movie, and that's it. You know, those are great movies. All this one is 3D, but I, I would argue that maybe Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within belongs on that list. I've never seen it, but it could it could be the missing link. It's basically the same movie as Titan AD. <laughs> <clears throat> That'll get me to watch almost anything. Titanity is a good flick. It is. You know what this movie was missing is, is some some butt rock. Yeah. Um, do you remember why they can't beat the dredge? I always forget. Well, they're made of pure energy. Oh, right. <laughs> they're pure energy. And they're, they're um. terrified that humans will uh, advance like in Mass Effect. Or in uh, sure, Advent Rising. Yeah. Advent Rising was pretty good. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it because of the way they wrote uh, Cloud, but uh, I think it's a pretty enjoyable. Film. The game's sick. Uh, <clears throat> Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas is a 2003 American animated adventure film produced by DreamWorks. Now, Export has been on a real adventure film kick lately. Yeah, we all just want to go on a boat. This movie released one week before Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Rest in fucking peace. (laughs) Which is a pretty rough fucking hand. Because this movie's Uh, good, I like it, it's no Curse of the Black Pearl. It's no Curse of the Black Pearl. It stars Brad Pitt, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, in five sentences, can you tell me the plot of Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seeds? Sure, yeah. Uh, the, the goddess of discord, Eris, steals the Book of Peace, and Sinbad is blamed for it. He must go on an adventure to retrieve the Book of Peace, or his best friend Proteus will die. On the adventure, he falls in love with Proteus's fiance, Marina. Sinbad makes a deal with Eris and ends up uh, saving both Proteus's life and his own life, and getting the Book of Chaos back, the Book of Peace back. <laughs> That's four sentences. <clears throat> you have a fifth sentence. Is there anything you want to add? Bad, Sinbad. <laughs> Who's bad? Sinbad. So this is just a really cool movie. It's just a series of vignettes where Sinbad and his crew encounter a weird thing or a danger or are attacked. And they deal with that in some way, usually with vigorous improvisation. And then uh, they move on to the next challenge. Yeah, there's there's uh. a, the middle part of this movie. It was just like a series of video game levels. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's a fun uh. set piece, and sometimes <laughs> the monster CGI is very bad. Not very often. I think mainly the the first one is the worst looking one at the beginning. That is the worst one. Uh, th- this is certainly no 
Pirates of the Caribbean Kraken. That's for sure. It's weird because it's not consistently bad. Like, there are parts of this movie that look really good. I think the whole back third looks really good. Then sometimes, occasionally, it'll be like, oh, the layers of the background and the characters are really disjointed in a distracting way. Yeah, it's weird. Um... It feels like maybe... I mean, it seems like they prioritized getting that that ending looking great. Which makes sense. <clears throat> um, it's weird when it looks wonky like that. Um, I've got a whole paragraph or three about the making of this movie here on Wikipedia. I don't see... Yeah, th- th- there weren't any, like, big shakeups or anything that would be, oh, obviously, they, you know, something weird happened at the studio. Seems now, like I they do were, see, uh, you know... I see that they did mm-hmm. develop the entire film on Linux. Um... That's sort of... And that's... in 2003. Mm-hmm. So... I also see a part here on the Wikipedia where they talk about how they made the water look too good and they had to make it look worse to match the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, okay. I thought that this director also directed How to Train Your Dragon, but he was just the executive producer on that. Director of Ants. Yeah, director of Ants and the idea of Ants. <laughs> the idea of ants <laughs> role director comma idea so he has the credit for like uh walking into the pixar office and being like i bet we can get ours out first <laughs> and pixar is like please go home you don't work here um he did direct kung fu panda holiday and how to train your dragon homecoming are, are those good? Are those renowned? Uh, uh, Kung Fu Panda Holiday premiered on NBC in 2010, and its premiere broadcast drew 5.9 million viewers. Oh, he becomes a dad in this one, and he has a beard. Oh, fuck. I should watch these movies. They seem like, um, it seems like the kind of stuff you'd like. You know, it's fun dragon I like the first one. Yeah. I like the first one, and then I think I saw the second one, but like, there's there's like four of these things, right? I think there's three main ones. Well, there's 12 books I'm learning. Uh, here we go. We've got... Three movies, 2010, 2014, 2019. We've got the TV show, which is uh, over like a hundred. This looks like it might be up to 150 episodes of TV about DreamWorks uh, Dragons stuff. Cool. It's a lot of stuff, ranging from 2012 to 2020. I've also thought about watching these movies, because I remember the commercials for the third one, where it's like, oh, this is just like Lord of the Rings? We're just having like an epic dragon battle now? I remember... Oh, there's an ice show. How to Train Your Dragon on Ice is currently on Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas. It seemed like that dragon Wait, got trained. It's an ice show on a cruise ship. Uh huh. <clears throat> I don't know about all that. You don't like this, the idea I of think... an ice show on a cruise ship? No. Why not? Um, I do think that How to Train Your Dragon is export core. I agree. I think that's true. Um, but we're not here to talk about How to Train Your Dragon. Here to talk about Kung Fu Panda Holiday. 
you might be pleased to learn, though, in Kung Fu Panda Holiday, they did get Jack Black back. Oh, sick. They didn't get him on the TV show. They can afford it for all the episodes of the TV show. Yeah, they can only afford Jack Dark Gray. DreamWorks makes a lot of Netflix shows. Do they? Yeah, don't they have a whole meta-series of Arcadia or something like that? Tales of Arcadia? Yeah. Uh, what is this? Also, is Troll... Oh, Troll Hunters is one of these. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I, was, I had been told that Troll Hunters was good and I never watched it. They, of course, have the whole <clears throat> spirit show. Based on Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Wait, the third one is just called Wizards. <laughs> Wizards. Wizards, colon, Tales of Arcadia, or simply Wizards. What more do you need? They got Wizards. Wizards has been acclaimed by critics as a groundbreaking animated series, both for its complex storytelling and high-quality animation. Everyone says that about every cartoon now, though. Yeah, but what if it's good? I'll watch a show called Wizards. Do I need to watch Troll Hunters and Three Below before I watch Wizards, though? I think you can just jump to Wizards. I think you'll live. I don't know. I think I think you can handle the children's show. It, it is for children. Fred Tesquar as Arrgh. Hell yeah. I love all those sounds. Um, now, I did just see they also made a movie called Trolls. I was like, oh, is that the prequel to Troll Hunter? <laughs> and then I remembered it's about the dolls. Yeah, that movie's good. Uh, There's a lot of Trolls merchandise in my home. Because huh. it's a good flick. I wonder if that Captain Underpants movie is any good. I can't imagine. Nora, do you want to talk about Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas? Yeah, let's talk about Sinbad you, Legend You told of me the you love this movie. I do love this movie. Why is that? Uh, it's just fucking good. Uh... I don't know. It's got good music. Uh, it's got maybe two songs on it, but it's a good soundtrack. <laughs> um, it's one of those adventure movies where the same sort of hook plays in every action scene. I do like the jaunty uh, music that plays in the action scene. There's some great, like, I keep going back and looking at that duel at the beginning between Proteus and Sinbad. I think it's just really well animated. Yeah, a lot of it's cool just, It's very brief, yeah. but it's very, very good. A lot of cool flippy um, sword tricks. Yeah, the chemistry both through the writing and acting between those two characters is so good. And they sell those characters really, really well. I, I had seen this film once before, and it was because as a teenager, I had an obsession with the film The Road to El Dorado. I was like, where, where can I find more of this? Well, mm. this is kind of like The Road to El Dorado, but it's about a pirate. And I didn't like it that much back then. I thought it was the forgettable one. But I liked it a lot more this time. And part of that is that this is one of those movies where there are uh, subtextual homosexuals. Oh. Yeah, um... Sinbad and Proteus are fucking, have fucked, you know, they're exes. It's complicated. It's not that complicated, even. The story he tells is, like, <laughs> the straightforward conclusion you would take is that he... is that he resents Marina for taking Proteus away. <laughs> That 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 adds a really interesting edge to the fact that he's also clearly into her. Yeah, 
It's a, a love triangle. The other subtext in this movie mm-hmm. is sex. You're saying they make a lot of sex jokes in the film. They make lots of sex jokes. Like what? <clears throat> like when he's like, I had a sword at my throat, at my heart, at my... And then a guy pops out of the out from below decks with a big barrel of food and says, Pickles and eggs! <laughs> yeah, Sinbad does have a, a couple lines referencing his experience <laughs> with knife play. It says in the yeah. hands of an expert, a good knife has a thousand and one uses. Yeah. And then he fucks it up. He also has a line that's like, uh, I've seen the highborn boys your type hangs out with, and I'm the only man you've ever met. <laughs> Suggesting that he he was the top back when he was hanging with Proteus. I think I believe that. I think Proteus is too uptight. How did you feel about the big lady? Eris is animated very well. They put a lot mm-hmm. of work into her hair, which is just always moving around and doing shit. Uh, I really love her her starry realm of Tartarus, where she's like looking down at a tiny Earth, and there's these monsters made of stars around her. There's also the scene where she's scrying on Sinbad's ship by holding the ocean in like a martini glass. Yeah. There's another scene where she's in a bubble bath, and all the bubbles have like people in them. Yeah. And she's like looking through into the world. And every time it go- cuts back to her, there's some new weird gimmick that she's doing, and it's great. And she can get big. <laughs> she can get big. And she can TF. Yeah, she conjures a uh, sort of Sinbad skin that she then like pulls on and wears. She TFs into Sinbad. Uh, and all the guards know who Sinbad is by sight, which is fun. They know this fucking kid. Even <laughs> ten years after he left Syracuse, Sicily, in Magna Grecia. Sin- Sinbad I- is, uh, you know, in the original Sinbad stories, uh, he is a Muslim from Baghdad. But in this movie, he's just Greek. I don't know where Syracuse is. It's in Sicily. Where is Sicily? It's an island next to Italy. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I googled Syracuse and found the city in New York. That's named after the uh, the, the Sicilian city. Which, at this period of time, would have been settled by the Greeks. This is maybe, this is, I think, by the Japanese timeline where the pharaoh Atem lived 3,000 years ago, this is only a few hundred years after he was sealed into the Millennium Puzzle. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I was going to posit, what if Road to El Dorado and Sinbad were in the same setting? But now you've gone and expanded that. I mean, they could be. They're separated by about 2,000 years, but they could be. 2,000? I mean, yeah, this is like, I don't know, 500 BC-ish? What the fuck? And Rotel Dorado is, uh, 15, 12? When is the road to... Because Cortez is in it. I'm pretty sure they give it. It's March 31st, 2000. It's actually uh, came out. Well, that's in the film release, but it's set in 1519. (laughs) Huh. Well. And Magna was settled in like the 700s BC. I'll I'll skip ahead a few hundred because Syracuse seems pretty built up at this point. Good, good world they made in this film. Pretty cities. Yeah. Lots of really good painted backgrounds. Yeah, I like the, um, 
the because uh, the sort of the central MacGuffin of this film is there's a a rare holographic Charizard that has the power to bring peace to the twelve cities. What are the twelve cities? Uh, Syracuse. I think they mentioned Thracia. I think that's where uh, uh, Marin is from. Uh, Athens, Sparta, <laughs> Thebes. Uh, I've Googled it and I haven't found anything, really. Yeah, I mean, the 12 cities are just, the, just part of the fiction of this film. <clears throat> oh, I thought it was like a thing. Okay. I thought it was just like a thing I didn't know. Nope, it's just they made it up for the film. Nor what is the I Book of Peace? Uh, it's just good. It's it looks like like an Assassin's <clears throat> Creed artifact where it's just like shooting holographic projections in front of it. It's got the pages are in three D and they move and it's constellations and uh, when it's there, uh, Eris can't be bad. But if it's gone, then she can be bad. Okay. She wants to do. She wants to, like, encourage this sort of formless ideal chaos. But also, she has a very specific plan to bring specifically a succession crisis to this town specifically. Yeah. That makes sense to me. She's the she's the fun kind of villain where she just starts shit to amuse herself. Yeah, that's literally how the movie starts. That's the goddess of Discord for you. Hosting our call. Oh, Discord. Yeah, because that's like the, the that's the like uh, that's the VoIP program that we're using to communicate. <clears throat> it's a VoIP life out there. <laughs> I don't know who Sinbad is. Uh, have you heard of the A Thousand and One Arabian Nights? I think I've heard of one of them. Well, he's part of those stories. He's a—he's uh, not really like a pirate in them. He's just kind of like a merchant who stumbles into adventure. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's not—he's not like a dashing rogue. He's just kind of like. Ah, ah, jeez. I gotta fight this giant now. So he's like sort of a Nathan Drake. No, he's less evil than Nathan Drake. (laughs) He's kind of like what Dan Reichert thinks a pirate is. Okay. Just sailing around having a good time. Yeah, and he's not even really like looking for treasure he's just you know enjoying the open sea as he ferries his goods across the the indian ocean but then sometimes you know the ship crashes into an island and there's a big monster here i hate that and you know in this one as in many Sinbad adaptations he's he's han solo he's a catboy type i don't I don't subscribe to that. Why not? I just have a different interpretation of what a catboy is. Okay, fair enough. Han Solo is so clearly just a dog to me. Uh, okay, would you... Not a dog boy. Irrespective just of the dog. catboy label, would you agree that Han Solo has strong feelings, but is indirect about them and turns into a puddle when he is given attention? Uh, hmm. I guess so. Okay, but not the attention part. <clears throat> I'm specifically remembering some things from books that we haven't covered yet in the War in Our Stars, like the time that Luke—not uh, Luke—when Han accidentally shoots Leia with a mind control laser and then panics and kidnaps her. What? <laughs> what, the f- what the fuck is Zahn writing? That's not Zahn. Who writes the shit? Yeah, George wouldn't who's... do that. 
This, this particular tale comes from The Courtship of Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton. Okay. Is it good? I don't think so, but it does introduce Dathomir to Star Wars. Oh, that's where Dark Maul is from. Yeah. Force witches. I love force witches. I love when there's different uh, schools and understandings of the force. Yeah, how do you feel about having like there's oh here's a religion that's like a force religion, but they have a fundamentally flawed perception of the force and so they got folded into the jedi order because they just weren't as good now the jedi are famously not that good at understanding the force they made a film about it called revenge of the sith (laughs) it's um it's called the baron doe i think baron doe an ancient order of keldor sages that defended the planet doran The Jedi's training regimen and more thorough understanding of the Force eclipsed those of the Baron Doe, and so the sages fell into obscurity as their power dwindled until they were gradually forgotten by the rest of the galaxy. Okay, so the Jedi were stronger. Yeah. The Jedi love being stronger and using their power to to dominate others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do we have anything to say about Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas, though? I feel like I ended up not having that much to say about it on a podcast, other than it's just way better than I thought it would be, and it's just generally a good movie. Um, it did end up prompting a discussion with Autumn about the Prince of Egypt. Oh yeah, what does Autumn think of the Prince of Egypt? They don't like it. Okay. Well, they cannot like it. They have a reason I think for it's it. It's a pretty good movie. I don't remember. They're not going to listen to this either. So, <laughs> I think I think it's a good flick. Yeah. It, that this movie would not exist without the Prince of Egypt, because that's that's be the fair, DreamWorks one that made money. Well, in between this and Prince of Egypt, you have to remember that Shrek happened. Right, but I mean specifically the 2D department. Yeah. We cannot underestimate the Shrek bump, though. Shrek's a good flick. It's probably just really good. I haven't seen it in years, but I assume it's just good. I recently watched all four Shrek films back-to-back in one day. Those first two movies are pretty good. There's only four? Yeah, there's only four. I mean, there's, you know, spin-offs, Christmas specials, but four uh, main films. <clears throat> oh, right, there was a Puss in Boots movie. Yeah, there's also a Puss in Boots film. I thought there was another one after Shrek Forever After. Uh, they're making Shrek 5, but it has not come out yet. Hmm. Do you think in Shrek 5 they'll have a bunch of jokes about the millennials being on that phone. Hmm. And it's like it's They're like making... Shrek's kids will post on uh, magic TikTok. They have kids? Yeah, they have kids. Shit. I guess I never saw past Shrek the third. That's the one where they have kids. What? Yeah. The whole conflict of that movie, it's, you know, it's one of those dad movies where Shrek learns that Fiona is pregnant and he kind of has mixed feelings about it. But then he kind of becomes a mentor to King Arthur and kind of becomes his surrogate father to come to terms with his uh, coming real fatherhood. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That, That one's not very good in my opinion. I would say that is the weakest one. Hmm. 
Following the success of Shrek 2, a third and fourth Shrek movie, along with the plans for a final fifth film, were announced in May 2004 by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Shrek 3 and 4 are going to reveal other unanswered questions, and finally, in the last chapter, we will understand how Shrek came to be in that swamp when we met him in the first movie. Yep. That, they're going to tell the Shrek backstory. They kind of tell that in the, uh, in the Shrek musical, where he is, like, abandoned by his parents. Hmm. I I want to read out Sinbad's lines because they set up his 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 complicated relationship with Marin near the beginning when he meets Marin after being gone for ten years and he kind of like storms off and has a little fit and a member of his crew asks who is she an old girlfriend and the first mate says I'm afraid it's not that simple and then later speaking to Marina he tells this story. When we were young, Proteus and I used to talk about joining the Royal Navy and serving Syracuse side by side. But as we got older, our lives began to change. He's a prince, and I'm, well. I was never jealous of him, though, until one morning a ship came into harbor. A ship with his future on it. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Marinus says, what was on the ship? Sinbad says, you. Proteus met you at the dock. I jumped on the first outbound ship and never looked back. Until now. I don't understand how I'm supposed to take that the way the movie wants me to take it, which is that Sinbad, who's like 15 or whatever, thought Marina was so hot that he just could not <laughs> hold himself back from her, so he had to immediately leave without a word so he wouldn't cock-block Proteus. Or cuck him. Or cuck him. It's also weird when you remember that the, they were kids. Yeah. Some. Uh, when I was a teen, I, did, I wouldn't have chosen a life of adventure and stuck to it. Well, it's it's a little different in the ancient Mediterranean. Oh yeah, did they not have like Twitter? No, they didn't have Twitter. They had ships. Yeah, boats. Uh, they had uh, wrestling, which was done in nude, of course. Uh, they had Z Zeus. Oh, Zeus. They had the Olympics. Ride a horse. Unfortunately, we have those too. Yeah, but our Olympics suck. <laughs> I mean, the old Olympics might have sucked too, but I can't imagine they're quite as bad. The old Olympics didn't have any Americans. That's true, they didn't. It's mostly just Greeks. Yeah, mostly. I also played the Sinbad 2003 PC game. Oh, yeah? It's, you know, it's a to completion? Huh? To completion? I played the first of five levels and I, I checked out the other levels on YouTube. It's a you know, fun little game where you move with the mouse, right-click to dodge, your Z and X buttons are attacks, Z is block, combine the inputs to do special moves like a fighting game, uh, you can collect magic power and do super moves. Hmm. You know, people have uh, extolled the virtues of the 7 out of 10 game, but there's something to be yeah. said for the 5 out of 10 game. The, like, $20 value price licensed movie game. What if I told you that the Phantom Menace video game is a really great video game? Oh, for which platform? The PlayStation. Sony PlayStation. Tell me about this game. Alright, so... Let me let me just let me just start it out. Okay. Okay. The Trade so, Federation. Ter 
Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. Okay. <laughs> the taxation of trade routes to the outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, to settle the conflict. Okay. That's how the game starts. Was the, how does the game play? What's the play like? It's like an action game with tank controls. Okay, that's good so far. Your camera is locked behind Obi-Wan, and you turn to the sides as you walk, uh, and you just, you do combat, and then you do, like, puzzles and stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. This looks, yeah, I would play this. <clears throat> what if I told you that episode one is the best of the prequels? I don't agree. I know that the export audio network is generally more of a episode two and three types. Yeah, I think Attack of the Clones is is my pick. Although Revenge of the Sith is really strong. It is a pretty good one. The thing I like about The Phantom Menace is that it's like a standalone film, and it depicts an era of Star Wars that you don't see in the other films. Yeah, that's true. The only source for that now, I think there's two books now, pre-Clone Wars, in Disney's new canon. They've only done two that I remember, that which are Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost. They cut uh, out all the uh, all the books about training uh, Obi Wan and training Anakin. Yep. But uh, I will be reading those on uh, Warner Stars at some point. Those are pretty good. They had fun covers. Uh, they, I believe they yeah. introduced the Kyber Crystals to the Legends canon. That's not true. That's not true. Kyber Crystal is from Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the very first Star Wars book. Oh, but I thought they introduced the idea of, like, that's what lightsabers are made of. Uh, I don't know. You know more about Star Wars than I do. I know that some people get um, into Star Wars and they like assume a role or they like carve out a corner as like, oh, I'm the Mando person. I I know how to I know all the vo the words for the Mandalore language. Or, uh, I'm really into clones. I care about clones. I think about the clones a lot. That's, like, my thing. Uh, I didn't... And some, some people have lightsabers. Like, oh, what does your lightsaber look like? What is... What, how would you build it? And it's like... That was never my Star Wars thing. So. What's your Star Wars thing? Uh... I like the Yuzen Vong. <laughs> okay. At least I remember liking them. Now, they're, they're the ones from outside the galaxy who are immune to the Force. That is functionally true. And I, I think they also established that actually Empire was building the Empire because... Yes. Yes, to prepare for the Reaper invasion. There's... Because they're writing the New Jedi Order... In the early 2000s, uh, as the movies come out, they are tying it to the new Clone Wars era content that is also coming out. So as they're writing the big conflict with the Vong, they're also seeding foreshadowing for it in the Clone Wars novels that come out at the time. Who can say whether that works or not? It seems like maybe... That dilutes the good parts of the prequels, which are about how the Republic is evil and turned itself into the Empire out of its own corruption. No, it was one guy. And in New Canon, this is true, too. It was all just one guy. No, that's not true, because I saw the movies. No, but at the end, Palpatine is like, ah, 
I created evil. Did, does he say that? Yeah, basically. But I saw what Yoda did. I saw when he told Anakin that he should be happy that his wife will die. But remember at the end in The Rise of Skywalker, when it's revealed that everything bad has always been Palpatine's fault. That's just not true. Um, I don't understand how they got Ian McDermott back and they just drained him of all charisma. They sucked out all his juice. It's a shame. You know, George, Um, famously not an actor's director, even he couldn't do that. Uh... The Yuzen Vong very nearly made it into the Clone Wars TV show. Why didn't they make it? That episode never ended up being made. It was going to be like a a Close Encounters homage, I think. Okay. What what is the basis for the Yuzen Vong being immune to the Force? If I remember correctly... They have a symbiotic relationship with their home planet. Uh-huh. But their home planet was killed. It was a living planet. It was killed by uh, machines, which may or may not be the the droid, the evil droid race that appeared in the old Ewok cartoons. Uh, <laughs> and the 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 shock of losing their planet in that connection, uh, the like trauma of that cut them off almost entirely from the force, or like being able to reach out to the force. They were so traumatized they couldn't reach out to the force, but also they can't be sensed through the force but also they're all about biotechnology which you think would make them really into the force because the force is in all living things yeah it it surrounds us envelops us even the rocks um why wouldn't they just make them robots then you have to have the the part where Star Wars is all about droids being slaves. Right. If droids could think, there'd be none of us here. Exactly. Here's a page of notes from the unfinished, unmade, really, uh, Clone Wars episode that would have had the Vong in it. It's a picture of a ship. It's a picture of a guy. That ship's pretty cool. It looks like a, like a big spiky slug. Yeah. The Vong looks like a little goblin man. It's an advanced scout ship. Here it is fully realized in a comic. So it looks kind of like a tardigrade. What is the Vong motivation for invading uh, the galaxy far, far away? Right. Okay. So it's the it's the mid two thousands, right? Uh huh. When when did Vector Prime come out? I I don't know. Vector Prime might have been nineteen ninety nine. It was nineteen ninety nine. Okay. So turn of the century. It's a sci fi series, and it's about aliens who are violent and theocratic. On a crusade against humanity, or in this case, the the all the all the aliens in Star Wars. Uh-huh. So, you might be thinking about Halo. Uh, my mind actually went to like the concept of a jihad. Oh, why would you uh, think about that? Well, I know it's 1999. We're a couple a couple years too early, but that that's about to become a big part of American propaganda. Mm-hmm. 
Um, also, to, you know, this starts two years before Halo as well. So I doubt Halo is, is thinking about Star Wars. But um, these are all things that exist and are true. These are all facts about what the Yuzen Vong are. Maybe 19 uh, of these fucking books? Yeah. How long are they? <laughs> Normal book length. I think one of them is... I think Vector Prime is a little bit longer. It's like 400 pages. I think Star by Star might hit 600, but like generally they're like 300 pages. They published 19 of these in four years? Yes. Man. It was an event. This was like a thing. This was like the the new Star Wars thing. But it was happening the same time as the movies. Yes, this came out. These were coming out around on like on either side of Attack of the Clones. Wow, that Star Wars fans don't know how good they <laughs> had it. The thing about it is that it's also taking place in real time, I think, because it's a four-year gap, a four-year span of galactic history. That's cool. That's a cool th- conceit. But for 19 books? <laughs> are, are these well-received? Are they remembered well? No. <laughs> no. No. No one, no one likes these. It's not, like, it's to the point that, like, they're... They're more bitterly remembered than the even worse books that came after this, which was in the like collapse years of the EU before the buyout. Um, that's where like some really, really like out of pocket shit happens in Star Wars. But the thing that people mostly remember are the dumb aliens that hate technology and can't be affected with the Force, and Chewbacca died. Oh yeah, he got he got crushed by a, a big rock, right? Yeah, uh, some call that a moon. Yeah, that's like a really big rock. Yeah, basically. What what's the bad stuff that came after this? Uh, what is what are they called? I know one series is called Fate of the Jedi. Okay. But there's like two There's like two different series One after the other They have ones about like Luke's Great grandson right That's a comic Okay Um Are these the ones that the new movies Are basically adapting no, that was another thing. That was a... Oh, what was it? Dark Empire? Okay. I think. It was like a multimedia thing. There was a video game. There was a comic book. Um, the whole thing. So in the canon, have they set anything after episode 9? Technically, yes. In the sense... Okay, it was Legacy of the Force and then Fate of the Jedi. Okay. There's also three books in between those two series. One final X-Wing book. And then the the end book of Star Wars called Crucible. Um, Technically, some stories in the second... Um... I guess first and second certain point of view anthologies um, take place post Rise of Skywalker, but not in any way that matters. Seems like that's like some of those are. It seems like that's going to be a tough nut for Disney. No, they'll ignore it. It's like Mass Effect. Yeah, I guess, but like they're they're all. It seems like they're pointedly uh, going back in time these days. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like they, they kind of just... know they fucked up. Oh, yeah. 
They're going to do High Republic for a while. They're going to really bleed the Clone Wars as much as they can. And then I bet there will just be another reboot. George wins again. He stays winning. They should let him make a, make a movie. He says he makes movies still, but you'll never see them. I'm I'm glad. Good. I don't want to see them. I'm glad he's making them. I would be really disappointed if Lukensian experimental films were posthumously released. Uh, that would just that would be really frustrating. But I bet something like that will happen. No, bury those tapes with them. <sighs> um, we're talking a lot about Star Wars for a Sinbad podcast, but I have some questions about Sinbad. If you want to take some questions, yeah. Okay, let me pull, let me pull it, it up. Joe asks, "Have you ever watched it in Icelandic?" We had the DVD as kids and watched it so many times that one time we decided to watch it in Icelandic. And it was pretty good, but we were also just kids who found Icelandic to be pretty funny. Sorry, I got distracted reading a tweet about Elon Musk and Grimes. You, you want to share the tweet? No, it's just that they, um, at some point they had matching profile pics on Twitter of um, Kirito and Asuna. Oh yeah, those guys. 16.5, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I think. Have you ever watched Sinbad in Icelandic? I have not. I have, however, watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in German. How's the German dub of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Pretty good. It's functional. Works. I did watch a few scenes of Sinbad in Icelandic an hour ago when I first saw this tweet. It's a pretty good dub. Icelandic's a, you know, a pleasant language. I don't think I've ever heard it. Uh, you, should, you should maybe consider watching the film Angels of the Universe, which is entirely in Icelandic. Hmm. I don't know about that one. That sounds like a movie Autumn would watch. It, it it is a pretty dark one. It's not it's not a swashbuckling <laughs> adventure. Did you have a second one? Yes. And he asks, what were those statues at the desert in Eris's domain? Uh it was a terracotta uh, army. Yeah. I knew this one, but I couldn't remember what they were called. I think I think there's also like the Tower of Babel in there. Um, you know, meant to represent that this is where this is where people die in Tartarus. This is this is where all that that stuff that disappeared ends up. Yeah, it's like the chalk zone or the digital world. No, it's Tartarus. I'm just saying it's like it because in. When you when you write something or draw something in chalk and you erase it, it goes to the chalk zone. Who's got the chalk? Rudy's got the chalk. Okay. Just checking. And he asks, would Eris and Bayonetta be BFFs? No. Bayonetta would kill her. You think so? If if crossed. Um, I have a question. Okay. Is the blue guy from Chalk Zone Sans Undertale coded? Um, def set your terms for Sans Undertale no. coded. No? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, the, uh, my answer is no. I don't think he's very much like Sans Undertale. <laughs> because Sans Undertale is the skeleton of Ness. That's not true. It's literally canon. I don't think that's true. You're right. I was lying. I was attempting to deceive you. How could you do that? How could you come on my podcast 
What can I say? I'm a dashing rogue like Sinbad. Hmm. Maxi asks, what would be the most fucked up bird to have a really, really big version of? Hard answer, no geese or swans. This is, of course, a reference to the part of this movie where Sinbad fights a big bird. Hummingbird, probably. I was going to say a hummingbird, too. (laughs) It's it's big beak trying to get in a little flower. Hummingbird 2, the sequel. The squeak one. Maxi asks thoughts on Sinbad's performance in Jingle All the Way. What? It, you know the uh, like Sinbad the comedian. I don't. Uh, well, he's in the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger '90s film Jingle All the Way. He's sort of a, a, a mailman who acts as an antagonistic force to Arnold. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, I also don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's great. I, I think it kind of sucks. It's not my kind of movie. Well, I think it sucks. Okay. <laughs> uh, final question. From Emily. Is Sinbad adequately dashing and swashbuckling? I would say so. I might disagree. Because he, he mm. does a lot of cool flippy sword tricks. But he doesn't really do a whole lot of... um. I don't know, like, thievery, uh, subterfuge. I think he's properly dashing. He's just kind of an asshole. But he's clever. He talks fast. He does talk fast, and Brad Pitt delivers the lines well. He does a lot of... The book, the prince... You know, if, if I compare Sinbad to a character like uh, uh, Jack Jack View Sparrow, uh, Sinbad is, for at least the first half of this movie, not really charming so much as just an asshole for reasons I don't really understand. <laughs> Some of us find that charming. Okay. Well, we can agree to disagree. So be it. That's all the questions I got. I have a question for you. Okay. Where can people find you online? You can find me online at Arcane Crystal. You can find me as a cast member on the Eidolon Playtest podcast which is an actual play based on Eidolon Become Your Best Self, a game written by Molly and Luke, where you have, like, little uh, Persona guys or stands from JoJo. Sounds pretty cool. You can also find me hosting the Book of Medora podcast, a podcast about the lore of the Legend of Zelda series. Now, I've been listening to this podcast. Uh, what do you think about it? I like it. Um, I have a question. Okay. See, I'm just scrolling through uh, my podcast app, you know, all the episodes <laughs> of Book of Medora. Uh-huh. A, a, a podcast about the Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And I noticed something strange. Uh-huh. See, here, three years ago, we have uh, bonus episode three, Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. If I scroll up, <laughs> I see things like, uh, what do we got here? Uh, it's, it's here somewhere, I remember. What was it? 
I can't find it now, but there was another one that I found a little questionable. Uh, you could be talking about a few different ones. Oh, here's Bloodborne? Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, I can, I can list really through all the ones that are not related to Zelda if you'd like me to. It's okay. Um, are they secretly related to Zelda? I mean, we might reference Zelda, but like... In bonus episode 7, Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond, we do just talk about an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, I scrolled past that too fast. Uh, there's also one about where I just explain a tweet I made about the Elder Scrolls. Is there also, also Infinity War? Uh, yeah, there's also one about Avengers Infinity War. Those two are sort of uh, prequels to the other podcast, MCU Complete Me, where I talk about the Marvel movies. Where would you find that? You find that on audioentropy.com. Wow. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. You can find stuff I do at NoraBlake.online. Uh, the, the time is almost nigh for Back to the Ark to drop. Just two more days as of the time of this recording. Oh, that's soon. Yeah. We've got a bunch of them scheduled through September, so hope everyone enjoys. How how can I listen to the Back to the Ark show? Well, you can become a patron at exportaudio or patreon.com slash exportaudio. And if you're feeling particularly generous and want to pledge $5, you'll gain access to Godzilla's Not Dead, a podcast where Autumn and I watch Godzilla movies. It's a good show, easily worth five dollars. It's only one episode up so far, so hopefully that stays true. Yeah. Uh, I think that will do it for this episode. How do you end? How do you end exports? I've listened to so many, but I don't remember how you end them. <laughs> we don't really adhere to that much of a rule, necessarily. Uh, may the force be with you. Hold on, you, you, can I do? Can I do my thing? The thing that I do. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I I tell I look up a joke about the topic of the episode. Okay. They don't really make jokes about when I search Sinbad jokes. It's jokes mm-hmm. by the professional comedian Sinbad. So I guess I'll read out one of those. <laughs> okay, hit me with one of those. Um, hold on, I'm looking for a good one. Uh, I don't think Sinbad's jokes are very good. <laughs> um, no. Oh, the jokes about sailors. Yeah, I don't think any of those I I would be worthy of reading out. Sailor jokes, okay. Here, let me see. Let me see. What do we got? Okay, I have one. I have one ready. This comes from upjoke.com slash sailors dash jokes. Why are sailors so indecisive? Um, is it because... They, uh, the sea knocks them back and forth a lot. Because they're always far from shore. Uh, that would probably be funnier with a British accent. What a sailor's so indecisive. Oh, Okay. Because they're always far from shore. <laughs> that is Australian, but it does work. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Please enjoy this rendition of the Asgore theme from Undertale. Fingers in his ass.
Fingers in his ass. Kanye West, he lies. Fingers in his ass. Fingers in his ass. Fingers in his ass. Kanye West, he likes big fingers in his ass. Kanye West, he likes big fingers in his ass. Kanye West, he likes put fingers in his ass. Fingers in his ass. He likes in his ass. He likes in his ass. Fingers in his ass. Yes, pinky, index finger, and the thumb in his ass. To the butthole goes numb. West in his ass. North in his ass. East in his ass. Most definitely in his ass. Yes, yes, Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. He likes big fingers in his. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. He likes big fingers in his. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Fingers, 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 fingers in his ass. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Kanye likes fingers in his. Kanye West he likes fingers in his ass. Fingers, 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 fingers in his ass. Fingers in his ass. Fingers in his ass. Kanye likes fingers in his hole. Hey, hole. Hey, hole. Hey. Fingers, 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 fingers in his hole. Hey, hole. Hey, hole. Hey, 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 hey. Baby, I'm going on an aeroplane and I got that thumb in my cracky game. Man, fuck Kanye right now. Tell you, man, I am so distraught. Fucking Triple Q got his channel taken down. Some old horse shit, man. And IFPI, I don't even know who the fuck they are. They could just be like a fucking gunless sheriff, just running around, doing whatever the fuck they want. Watch out. To the mashup artists out there, do not use Kanye shit. Kanye likes it in the booty, fingers in the booty ass bitch. Ambrose has been up in there, fingers in the booty ass bitch. One, two, three, four, five, six fingers, fingers in the booty ass bitch. Kanye loves it in his asshole.